Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. Emotional intelligence is defined as the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions, and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. Now, over the past year, EQ has become less important to companies because of the need for somebody to fill the seat. This is creating more problems as less care is invested into uncovering the fit into the organization. We need to understand that high performers are taking their time right now to find the right opportunity. So this is your wake-up call to slow down. Now more than ever, it is critical to cultivate your own emotional intelligence and implement intelligent hiring practices into your organization. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win the strongest hires by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Natalina Nasruddin. She is the founder of Rise Up For You. With over 10 years experience as a college professor and former top executive for an education corporation, Nada understands the importance of fusing education, empowerment, and leadership together as she works with her clients and speaks to audiences worldwide. Her company, Rise Up For You, has been featured and worked with such brands as CBS, Google Next19, and various Fortune 500 companies, as well as small businesses. Nada has been awarded the 40 Under 40 Professionals in Orange County, California, and Women of Influence for Entrepreneurship in 2021. She is a number one best-selling author on Amazon, leadership and career confidence coach, and two-time TEDx motivational speaker, which is what makes Nada the perfect expert for today's topic. Nada, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thank you so much. And you said my full name, Rick. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> what did you think I was going to mess it up? I usually mess up everybody's name. I don't know why yours is working, but... <laughs> I thought you were going to go with just the first, but you did the whole thing. <laughs> totally. All right. Well, I'll just go with Nada from here on out. I hope that works for you. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So today we're going to discuss emotional intelligence and why it needs to be front and center and then how to activate emotional intelligence into your hiring process. Sound like a plan? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Perfect. EQ and emotional intelligence. They're the same thing. Yeah, that's a good question. It is the same thing. So EQ stands for emotional quotient. EI stands for emotional intelligence. That's the same thing. Just one uses quotient, one uses intelligence. Okay. Just so we clear that up. Let's talk about some of the challenges that we're seeing today. I'm seeing on the hiring front, like everybody's like just in this feeding frenzy trying to hire people really, really fast. And they're not taking into consideration that there's a lot of urgency on the company side, but not so much on the people who are looking for a job side, because this whole great resignation thing that we're experiencing right now is people have been able to evaluate whether or not they align with the companies. That's why they're taking their time and they're bouncing. Yeah, I think it's just it's an interesting time right now in the workplace, because as you mentioned, companies are they need employees like they are in demand for workers. I mean, how many times have we drove down the freeway and you see like a Burger King that says like somebody's got to flip these burgers, right? So we're experiencing it on all fronts. And the challenge that's happening is that the employee also knows it, right? They know that they're in demand and that companies need to find workers as fast as possible. 
possible. And when that happens, unfortunately, and I do think the pendulum is going to swing, right? It always does. But when that happens is unfortunately, as a company, we can compromise values. We can compromise people that are a good culture fit just because we need to put a butt in the seat basically to do the job. But it really makes an impact on hiring the right fit for your company that is culturally the right fit and that has that emotional and social intelligence. And we revert back to the old way of doing things, which is just like what's on the resume and is does the resume check off the points that are needed to do the job technically. And that's a dangerous space to be in right now. And I think we're going to feel the effects of it probably here within the next year. So yeah, it's a tough time right now for sure. Well, and also brings it to a place where everything is transactional. Well, now we're in a position where you can't find people to work at Burger King, like you mentioned. To me, that's no big deal. I hate Burger King. But I mean, the only reason why people would go to work for Burger King is because they get paid and they make more money staying at home or being on unemployment Mm -hmm. or something like that, right? So there's got to be more to it. Yeah, 100%. There does have to be more to it. And I think that as companies, we need to establish standards so that those that are looking for the job understand that there is a certain level of expectation coming into the game as well. It's not, again, just a feeding frenzy. Like I said, that's going to go the wrong way real fast if companies don't hold on to those standards and expectations as they come in. And, you know, we know that anytime you show any sign of desperation, like it's going to go south real fast, whether it's in a relationship or a company. Like, <laughs> So we want to make sure that we do have those standards and expectations. That is so true. And I, I'm seeing on my end a lot of companies that are actually saying, well, I hired this person, they worked for three weeks, and then something strange came up and they bounced. Something that we should have known up front came up and they had to leave. They left primarily because they didn't resonate with your environment. That's really what it boils down to. They didn't take the time, nor did you take the time to make sure that there was an accurate fit. 100%. Absolutely. Worst case scenario, which was a tough one is We hire them and then a week later, they're on stress leave. So that's another case that I've I've heard quite a bit as well. How often is that happening right now that people are getting hired and then people are going on stress leave? Because I'm not seeing that, but like you're hearing it on your end, right? Yeah, I have quite a few clients that are dealing with it. That it's the spectrum. So it's either they hire somebody and then it's just not a good fit. And then it ends up being employee turnover within a couple of weeks. Or they hire somebody out of need and desperation and then couple weeks later, that person, for some reason, is on medical leave or stress leave, or they can't work anymore, but they're still, you know, obviously under the company. Uh, Yeah. And by the way, as a company, that's your fault, like for not being able to identify why that has come to pass. You should be able to identify in the interview itself, whether or not somebody aligns with your mission, your values, your core, what you have going in the company. And you should have some pretty solid metrics to that they agree to accomplishing before they actually join the company. 100%. Yeah. Because we're in this time of the great resignation. Like I get it. Companies are just like, they need people, but we have to find a balance of hiring people, finding that great worker that at the same time doing our due diligence. Otherwise it's just going to hurt us in the end. It's going to hurt the company in the end. That's my big hurdle with some of the clients we work with is just getting them to slow down and take their time to make sure that they're Mm -hmm. getting the right person on the bus. Even really good companies have been experiencing attrition for whatever reason. This is actually a really good thing for companies. You have to kind of look at it from that perspective. It's just a lifestyle thing, right? I, I think that after COVID, we expected, I think that as a society, we expected that people were going to be nicer and be more grateful for their job. And I will tell you that from our experience with our clients, that 
those two things are not happening right now. No. That people are actually more stressed, more triggered, more combative than they were before COVID. And they're reflecting more on what they really want. And like their thought process around work ethic and working in the corporate space has diminished into a place of like, well, I want more well-being and I want this, this, and this. And I want people to run my own company on my own time in my own home. And so we're seeing just a very drastic shift. Again, I think the pendulum is going to swing. I don't think it's going to last as long as we think it is, but it is where we're at right now. When is it going to swing, do you think? I think in the next six months to a year. As some of the benefits. Yeah, just my projection. projection. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Even as a result of taking advantage of the time that we have right now and just putting stronger practices in place and timelines to ensure that you're getting the right people is critical. Why is this important to a company? We're talking about it, right? If we don't put these things in practice, it's going to end up hurting in the long run. We have employee turnover. You're going to have miscommunication. This is where the culture starts to fall apart. This is where we start to have challenges amongst people. So these cultures, these values, the emotional intelligence, which I know we'll dive into even more. At the end of the day, if you're a numbers person, right, and we want to talk budget and finances, at the end of the day, it's going to be more cost effective for you because now you're not dealing with that attrition, that employee turnover rate. And some of the challenges potentially that can happen with HR on the legal side. And at the same time, it's just happy happy profits. This is a huge thing for companies. And most companies are starting to recognize the importance, but they're still not able to identify financially how important it is. And that's going to be critical too. Yeah, that's so true. Are you listening to the Higher Power Radio Show? I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find a link to order Healing Career Wounds, which is available now on Amazon and your favorite bookstore. Let it be your startup secret weapon to sourcing and winning the strongest hires. Our guest today is Natalina Nasruddin. She's the founder of Rise Up For You, and we're talking about emotional intelligence. So we just talked a little bit about why it's important, and then we're going to now talk about how we implement this. But I want to start this off or kick this off. You and I, you shared with me a story prior to this where you had a client of yours that were able to, like by implementing really strong EI practices, they were able to achieve extraordinary results. Yeah. And let me just like take a step back to just further educate anyone that's watching is that emotional intelligence is a lot more robust than people think. And I think that that is also one of the challenges within companies is that it's framed in a very shallow context. What's emotional intelligence, right? It's to manage and be aware of your emotions and then help influence the emotions of others. But in actuality, there's another 18 competencies that fall under emotional intelligence. And every single challenge in the workforce today, from communication to diversity, equity, and inclusion, to motivation, to making a sale, to adding value to your customers, all falls under emotional and social intelligence. So it's, it's incredibly comprehensive. I mean, it takes us days to do a training on EQ, and it takes years for people to really master it the right way. And so when we talk about emotional intelligence, it's not just managing your emotions. It's knowing how to walk into a room with the client and understand what energy do I need to pull in today based off of how the client is feeling. Or if I'm walking into a meeting with a team member, what is the energy that's coming from this team member and how do I influence them in a positive way to take action, be motivated and get on the phone to make a sale or to work with their other team members? There's just so many different aspects to it. Stress management falls under it internal motivation, growth mindset, 
I mean, these are the challenges that we're dealing with on a daily basis. Integrity as a team member. Am I leading with integrous practice? So, I mean, I can talk for hours about EQ, but it really does make an impact. And when you do it the right way, uh, it's a game changer for a company. So as you were mentioning, one of our clients, I worked with one of the executives for one of the largest health companies in North America. And there was the only executive that I was working with out of, I think there was like four or five. They took this emotional intelligence very seriously. They practiced it, they implemented it, and then they started to pass it on to their division, their team. And when COVID kind of ended and they came back into the workforce, they had 87% of their team come back on site. The rest of the executives had 12%. So the rest of the executives lost 88% of their staff and only 12% came back. And the executive that was working with emotional intelligence had 86% stay. So they only lost 14%. Just that alone, 88% versus 14%. No, that's huge. That means that that executive actually took the time to make sure that people that were hired were in the wheelhouse and really gelled well within that business unit. That and also maintained and taught emotional intelligence, like coached, mentored, gave an understanding to the team what it means to have emotional intelligence. On top of that, that division went, they skyrocketed their profits by over 300%. And they went from like, I think it was 12 in sales to two in sales. Just through, and the common denominator was that the executive was working on emotional and social intelligence and teaching it to her team as much as she can, like mentoring and coaching. So you can see where it can make a huge impact, not only on the culture, but also on the profits. And I know like we work with a lot of executives at the end of the day, they want to see numbers, right? It's like, tell me, (laughs) what's this going to do from the bottom up? 300% increase is something you should definitely pay attention to. Not to mention the cost of losing 88%, right? That decide, no, I don't want to come back. I mean, all of that has a cost to itself where the company is losing money because then they have to go out and find that 88% that no longer want to work. We're talking probably millions to tell you the truth. Yeah. And those are the 88% that actually were placed by one of us. (laughs) at a place that's probably more in alignment with what they were looking for. They had the time to think about it. All right. So where do we start? How do we implement emotional intelligence into our fabric of our DNA? Yeah, it has to start with values first. The reality is, is that most values in a company are emotional and social intelligence, right? Like when you look at a company's values, it's integrity, growth mindset, collaborative, service oriented, I can confidently say that most values within a company fall under EQ or EI. The challenge that we're seeing with companies worldwide is that these values aren't actually activated. It's what I like to call cosmetic culture, which I talk about in my TED talk is that it's just cosmetic, right? It's like poster board. Here's our poster of the values on the wall. It's on our website. It's great. We have company values. But if I were to go to a team member and I would say, what are the values of your company and how are you exercising them on a day-to-day basis? Most individuals are not going to know what the values are and have no idea how they're actually being implemented. In fact, one of my clients last week, executive, she told me this. She was like, I asked my team what the values were because we're going, we're going through values and EQ together. And she's like, not one team member knew what the values were of the company. I've seen it so many times where I've actually seen it on the wall 
and like, you know, it'll say teamwork, collaboration. And then as you walk through the actual organization, you're not seeing any of that. It might be posted on the wall. And I've asked the CEO a couple of times, where did you get these values? And some pull them out of a book. I thought they'd sound graded. So we wanted to build our, it was more like what they inspire to be rather than who they are. But they didn't put anything into action in order for them to be able to implement those values and live up. Yeah. And that's the critical part, right? It's going from passive to active. So if you do have a list of values, and I highly recommend every company take a look at them again now, because after COVID, a lot has changed, right? So your values might have changed after the pandemic, the society has shifted. So taking a look at those values, but now activating them, going through every single value and asking yourself first, how is this showing up in the recruiting process? Because if you're not starting there, you're going to bring on team members that don't match your values. And that's going to be a problem. So looking at your values right away and saying, okay, one of our values is service, being service oriented. So what can we do in the recruiting hiring process that can tell me whether or not this team member is service oriented? Okay. So let's say if you're a nonprofit organization, Well, I would love to know the person that I'm hiring. Hey, tell me about some philanthropic work or volunteerism work that you've done in the past. What have you done? How did how'd you do it? What now if a team member's like, well, I haven't really done much, then (laughs) it might not be a good fit because they might not be coming from that place, right? So going through those values and activating them right away in the hiring process, looking for emotional intelligence, looking for collaboration, whatever your values are. How do we assess them from the very beginning and then finding ways to activate them on a continuous basis within your culture? So, for example, if one of your values is collaboration, do you have a collaborative creative day? Maybe once a quarter where your leaders or your team come together and there's like a collaboration, you know, breakout session where there's certain projections and and facts that you guys talk about to help grow the company, you know? So like, what are these little things that you can do to exercise these values? Yeah. And that's really important. And they all have to be lived by the leaders as well. You know, it's Uh everything is driven from the top down in an organization, especially smaller companies. So you can't have values on a wall and not be the one who's really driving those values. And I find it's really useful too, if you make those values a language by which decisions are made and something you guys talk about in your stand-up meetings or Amazon was famous for doing this and they still do, is this expressing customer obsession? When we make this decision, is it really based on our values? And that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And it also creates resentment when you don't do it, right? Because you do have those team members that are in tech, that are integrous, that, that are loyal to the company. And then they walk by and they look at that poster and they're like, we don't do that at all. And then it becomes hypocrisy. And then that becomes a resentful thing for team members, right? I, I know many friends and many professionals that they just think that their company is like a big pot of hypocrisy because the values that they have on the wall aren't actually what they're doing. And so then it works against them as well. So it's yeah. like a double-edged sword there. That is very true. That is very true. Just look at a lot of the larger organizations that are out there. I mean, they have values that are written on the website, but I don't think that most of the divisions within the organizations actually even know what those values are or live it. They should be, we're highly political and we'll stab you in the back at your first chance if you don't get it. First, we need to activate our values. What's next? Mm -hmm. 
The next is I would highly, highly recommend from here on, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because this because I run a company that does it, but we need to start making emotional intelligence and soft skills training as a line item. When you're doing your budget for 2022, when you're doing your budget for 2023, just like we put in a marketing budget and we put in, you know, like sales strategy budget and all these different things that we're putting in, we need to put a line item to have a budget for training and development specific to soft skills. It can't just be technical skills anymore. It's not enough. And the thing that we need to constantly remember is that soft skills take time to build. They're not so soft, right? Like we've heard this before. I'm sure we've seen a meme that says like soft skills are actually really hard. And it's true. And that's because there's 20, 30, 40, 50 years of programming around someone's cognitive behaviors and their communication. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't transform it. And that doesn't mean that people can't be better communicators. It just means it's going to take a little bit more time, just like when you go to a gym, right? And I use the same analogy. It's like, I always laugh when people are like, I want a transformational leadership session in 90 minutes. And I'm like, listen, if I went to the gym for 90 minutes, okay, yes, I'm going to sweat and I'm going to get a great workout, but that's it. Like nothing is going to happen after that. So you have to keep going back and be consistent and you have to drip the content so that that self-awareness builds and then the muscle builds. And then over time, you're like, yep, I get it. The blind spots start to break. And now as a leader, I'm continuously practicing these behaviors on autopilot. And that's the key. Well, it's like changing any habit, right? It just, it takes time to do and you have to keep going through and reinforcing the good behavior. We fall back into our programming of what we're used to. And it's really hard sometimes to get out of that. And I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, to consistently reinforce and develop those skills, that's what high performers want too. They want the company to be able to really care and help them to become better humans, better at their career, better at everything they need. Yeah. And I would even say that I would spend more time on soft skills because if you have strong soft skills or emotional and social intelligence, the technical skill is going to be very, very easy for you to learn, right? Because technical skills are actually a lot easier to understand and learn on some level because it's an algorithm. A plus B equals C, two plus two equals four. And once you find it, you find it. But I think that unless you have those soft skills, it's going to be hard for you to continue to build the technical skill. I agree with you, by the way. Don't invest in training that's seagull training where somebody flies in for 90 minutes, drops a whole bunch of information on you, and then like they're done, right? Like It doesn't make sense if you don't have a program in which people need to continue to engage. Nobody's going to retain you know, even a tenth of that content in 90 minutes. And I always say like, there needs to be empowerment, education, and strategy. And a lot of times it's more empowerment. It's like 90 minutes empowering leadership and people walk out and they're like, oh, I'm so inspired to be a leader. But unless you have that education that's consistent and that strategic plan to keep growing the muscle, the leadership component, the actual shift, the transformation, it's not going to happen. That is so true. All right. So coach, provide development on these skills. Then what would be the next piece? I think one of the most critical pieces, which I know can be really challenging, is an assessment of the company and where the company is at to begin with. Because there's what we know, there's what we don't know, and then there's what we don't know we don't know. (laughs) So sometimes as a company, we don't really know what's happening in the trenches. And so in order for you to really start providing these trainings, remapping out your values, activating the values, let's just get a gauge 
on where the company is at. How is your team feeling? What are some of the challenges that your team is feeling that you didn't think they were feeling at all? So maybe your team thinks that the leadership is great, but maybe they want more growth opportunity. And maybe you thought it was the opposite. And so I think it's really important that we just get a pulse on the company with boots on the ground, like people that are actually in the trenches, because that's how we're going to know what kind of action plan to create to help support the team. And I know that that's hard because nobody wants to see that stuff because it could be gut-wrenching, but I think that it needs to happen on an organizational level. And I also think it needs to happen on a leadership level. When I was 27 years old and I was an executive, I had 200 team members under me. I thought I was the best leader in the company. I was like, I am so amazing. I am so great. And then I started to hear like people chirping about how I'm intimidating and nobody wants to come into my office. And I did an anonymous survey with all 200 people. It was super scary. No other executive wanted to do it. But 75% of 200 people came back and said that I wasn't approachable and that I was intimidating. So that right there was a sign that, all right, well, as a leader, I'm not effective because only 25% of the staff actually feel like they can connect with me and walk into my office and ask a question. So was that hurtful? Yeah. Did my gut go, ugh? Totally. Yeah, but, it's a punch in the stomach for sure. I had the same like, problem. Just right in the yeah. gut. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I was able to say, all right, well, I mean, the data doesn't lie. The truth, the, you know, this isn't lying. So I got to make a change. And then that's how we make positive shifts. That is so very true. And then bringing this forward to your interview process, bringing an interview training into this kind of emotional intelligence thing too. I think that's super critical as well. I mean, you have to spend the time training, like you said, the soft skills and getting to people to a place where they can identify people that really align with those values that you have. Yeah. And don't be afraid to go outside of the traditional blueprint. I know you talk about this a lot, Rick. It's don't be afraid to ask, hey, what was the greatest accomplishment that you had that has nothing to do with work? Let's get to the bones of like who this person really is, because that's where you're going to figure out what those soft skills are that they have. That's where you figure out everything about a mm -hmm. person. Keeping interviews shallow, it's compared to like a speed date where essentially you're making a decision to get married at the end of like a speed date. That's like, that's really what the job interview process is. So if mm -hmm. we all slow down and just take our time to get understand somebody, that time investment pays dividends. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let's be smart about the process. Don't ask things that you can get from reading the resume, right? Like I always laugh and people are like, well, tell me about your experience here. It's like, why? It's on the resume. You saw their accomplishments. You see where they work. Ask them questions about, you know, things that aren't on the resume that are like, again, going to get you to see who they are as a person. Yeah, I often say the most valuable content on a resume is the white space. It's what is not said there. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are just getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways that you can give the audience to get plugged into their business today? Yeah. So I, in a nutshell, I would go back to what we just talked about. I would first step is I would say, do some kind of assessment just to test the, we call it like a culture check. Let's do a culture check. Okay. Even if it's a small survey that just asks like, how do you feel at the company? Do you feel like you can grow here? What does the culture feel like for you? Even if it was five to seven questions. And I always like to put space for solutions, not problems. If you can provide one solution that will enhance the company's culture, what would it be? Because then it gets your team to reframe instead of going into like a problem mode or well, we don't have this and da, 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 da. It gives them an opportunity to say one thing that would be really great is this. 
So I definitely say key takeaway number one, do some kind of culture check assessment that can just check the pulse, especially after COVID. Number two is pull those values back out, reassess them, and then figure out how to activate them. Create an action plan where you can actually bring them to the forefront and continuously reassert them and reiterate them on a day-to-day basis. And then three is it's not too late. We're going into 2022. We have six weeks left. Pull out that budget and find a line item where you can provide some soft skills training to your team. Boom. There And there you have it. Natalina, thanks so much for your time today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be best way in which members of the audience can find you, your company, your book, all that good stuff? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, definitely on LinkedIn, you can just like click on my face or whatever and connect with me on LinkedIn. And then if you go to riseupforyou.com, there's a ton of stuff there that you can access. Uh, you can find my book on Amazon as well, Rise Up For You. And we do love to, all, if this is all right with you, Rick, we do offer a free training to any company, 30 minutes on any session of your choice. It could be emotional intelligence. It could be diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we'll just train your team for free so that you can see the different transformation that soft skills can make. I believe we sent you the link, Rick. If we could just like plug it in the chat, that'd be awesome. We will plug it in the show notes. So we're good to go. Thanks to our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Bellin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share after all this shows for you. And we want to continue to bring you very valuable content. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. I'm going to be actually doing another Talking Head self-episode with myself. We're actually going to be talking about best practices and why you shouldn't be practicing best practices. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard. 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 Gerard.